welcome to the PsychoWise podcast. We explore how women can expand in pleasure and wisdom spanning all cycles and seasons of womanhood. This is a body-centered approach to living where your body is your personal resource for you to live as the woman you came here to be. I'm Indigo Moon, and if you want to turn on your cyclic woman and wisdom, if you want to become untamed and awake to your own power, then join me as we dive into all areas of embodied soulful living. Hello, beautiful. It's been a moment. And I'm so excited to welcome you back to PsychoWise. Today, I'm taking you on a journey through my epic four and a half day long free birth of my son, Kamayo Kawaya. That's right, four and a half days in the birth portal, with just my husband and I present. There's quite the story to tell. This episode is a throwback to January 2020 when I was still in bed resting during my 42-day confinement after birth and my husband crawled into bed with me and Kamayo one day and we just hit record while talking about our free birth journey. So keep in mind, this was recorded in those early postpartum days where we were both incredibly exhausted. But we also felt so victorious after our powerful birth. So it's not perfectly put together this story, but it's a really special moment in time that I'm really excited to share with you. I chose to keep my pregnancy entirely outside the system, meaning I didn't have a hospital midwife, I didn't have a private midwife, and I didn't have a doctor either. This was just my husband and I walking through the pregnancy and our birth together, supporting our son's journey here. So along with my husband, I will take you through what actually happened in those four and a half days in the birth portal and how a piece of paper on the wall that said, protect Kamayo's birth journey, played a central role in me powerfully rebirthing our son. This is a long story of a long birth, but make sure you stick around to the end where I share the key mindset shift that transformed my birth, and of course, that victorious ending of catching my son with my own hands after days and days and days of labor. It was amazing. Along the way, I will be jumping into the story here and there to add a few bits, and you'll also hear newborn Kamayo make a few contributions of his own as he was in my arms the whole time while we recorded. We'll start with the lead up to the birth, what our birth plan was, and a bit about how we prepared for it. Although truly, our birth preparation could be an episode in and of its own, as we did so much to prepare inside and out to hold and support and truly take full responsibility for our son's journey here. So here we go, a raw, powerful, undisturbed birth ceremony. The birth. So did we have a birthing plan? Whenever I've been asked about this also throughout my pregnancy, what I've said is that 
I believe in gathering all your resources for a big journey. That's my approach. I gathered as much resources, which some of them are very practical. Some of them are more energetic. Some of them were emotional. Some of them were about the support I wanted from you. Some of them was about the space that I wanted to create within myself. Some of it was about my intuitive connection with Kamayo. But they were all resources that I gathered to have on hand for a journey that you never really know how exactly it will unfold. The only really strong seed that I had planted, which was I wanted with every fiber of my being to stay home and have it be just you and me and Kamayo. I don't know if that was a plan, but it was the deepest of desires. That was the plan. Like We had to prepare for that plan by doing a lot of research and being prepared for as much of uncertainties as we could. And just setting up the space inside yeah. and out for that to unfold. So we had the birthing pool and the logistics behind that. We prepared the space, different rooms for different things. Also prepare for the postpartum period, what would happen after that. So there was a lot of preparing around creating that space to be there to enable that in a in a good way. Yeah, there were so many practical elements that were part of really holding down a space that would facilitate what we wanted and have things to draw on. And I guess what comes to mind is also I had different birth affirmations on the wall, which I wasn't really sure whether or not that would really be a element of real support and the intensity of birth, but they definitely were. Yeah, I was really surprised how much I was leaning on them during the birth. Um, I didn't know that you did. You know, it was just there, catch my eye or something, and every now and then it would be something that would be useful. Even afterwards, I reflected on some of them. Yeah, and I guess for me, one that stands out that I felt was pretty strong in guiding our journey was I had written one that said, protect Kamayo's birth journey. Yeah, that was one of the ones that yeah, I leaned on. Yeah, it became, for me, that became a really strong guidance throughout the birth because, you know, you could say that our birth ended up unfolding in a variety of normal that it's not uncommon, but it's also there were elements that maybe some people choose to act differently on or not stay home for, right? Yeah. And so that reminder of coming back to like what that really meant for us to protect Kamayo's birth journey was a really strong guiding factor in orienting us to the center of what mattered and also what was really real, to not get distracted by too many other things, but what that really meant, both on a very physical level, of course, keeping him safe physically, but also protecting his mm -hmm. birth journey, which is such a huge initiation for all of us and mm -hmm. it does matter yeah a little bit more than just having <laughs> a baby that's alive it matters on so many levels yeah for me protecting Kamal's birth journey also became hand in hand with protect indigo moon's birth journey yeah in the end protecting 
the birth journey that you were, you know, mm-hmm. wanting to create, to have yeah. as best as possible. It meant both, and they're just like different uh, framings of it. In yeah, a way. they're different different parts of the same thing, and you were definitely connecting in just as strongly to Kamayo, but there was a sense of us standing in a line of me connecting inward to Kamayo and the birth as it unfolded inside my body and you standing behind me and just really backing and holding both first and foremost me, but of course also Kamayo in that. And so really holding that sort of space surrounding me and Kamayo. Yeah. So at... 40 weeks well i had we had both discussed that it was probably likely that we would go to 41 and something because um i was born at 41 plus three weeks you were induced at 41 weeks so like okay it's probably likely that i'm not a 38 weeker (laughs) but yeah we 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 kept everyone out basically we weren't telling radio silence yeah, we weren't talking to anyone <laughs> at that stage. My parents had been told that no news is good news. We won't be calling until after the birth. And obviously this was a this became a really long period of time because I started going into silence pretty early on. Basically for a month at least. My parents and some other people were like, What's going on? I guess we we're kinda of checking in once a week saying so far, so good. Nothing to report. But the more we progressed, I felt like I could at least feel my parents' fear yeah. from afar, okay. from many kilometers away. I knew what they were thinking. But we were talking about, or I was bringing out with you, I was like, oh, I like, I really don't want to go to 42 weeks. And I've never really had that feeling before. I think this was definitely something that our previous losses had stirred my ability in some way to just stay as real yeah, with the reality that birth has its own timeline. And I was starting to be like, okay, I really don't want to go to 42 weeks. What if I go to 42 weeks? What if I go to 43 weeks? I don't want to go that long. And mm-hmm. also, there's no other option. As long as my baby is moving well and feeling well, this is the healthiest. There's nothing else that you can do. Um, But it was definitely something that was stirring within me. And it kept a little bit coming up. I can't lose a baby again. Like, I can't stand postpartum with empty arms. Also, with the whole how many weeks things, it kind of depends on whose system you're using. And I think most doctors would have said you were even maybe... I don't know, 43 weeks. But my birth. was accurate. It was based on the actual physiology of my ovulation and conception. This was the actual accurate way yeah. of like when yeah. pregnancy... But most happens. people don't use that way. So in reference to that, then it becomes a blurry area. I and I'm just saying, saying, yeah, in some interpretations, you went past 42 weeks at that stage already and we're into 43 weeks. Yeah. And the important thing is to monitor that the baby is moving well. And just the reality is for me, I would say for everyone, but I'd say for it to speak for me that, you know, there isn't actually 
another safe option. Like induction yeah. comes with their own risk. Yeah. And there's no such thing as naturally inducing a birth. We were supporting my body and myself in all the ways. And the birth started when I was ready. Yeah, and I think the risks of inducing aren't even acknowledged by the medical professionals. They don't even mention any risk to many of their clients. Yeah, There's risk either way, and it's kind of like a risk management scenario. And it's not about ignoring any of them. It's just being real that like induction or interfering with the flow of a natural pregnancy isn't just like a magical solution it comes with its own repercussions that can be necessary but we should really like stand it all up and really look at it all clearly and be real about the risk that can come with all of it yeah just be real about it before we sort of start being controlled by fear we really need to be looking at it a lot more nuanced It's time to get into the birth. So just to set the scene, it was Wednesday, December 11, 2019. The days were wrapping around me in winter darkness and my belly was so incredibly big and round and I was like a primal animal in my cave, deeply inward, reveling in my baby kicking and wondering when will birth start and praying that I would be birthing freely and powerfully with just my husband by my side like I wanted. So at 42 weeks, another day in the in the birth cave, just mm-hmm. being with it all. And in the late afternoon, we go for a walk around 4 or 5 and just talking again like most of our walks about what's present for us and mm-hmm. the upcoming birth and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so on the evening of December 11th, 2019, start noticing the first sensations, contractions that come and go. And that was the beginning of the birth. Contractions did not stop until he was born. Which, what would be four and a half days later. Um, yeah, we get back and have some food and just do our, our things, hanging out. And pretty soon after we're home, they start being, first it was just 20 minutes apart, then it starts to be 15 to 20 minutes. And they just keep being around that until when we go to bed. Around 10.30, they're getting closer. So they start going into a pattern that would continue for days, which was six to ten minutes apart, and they already then are starting to get stronger. And then at 2 a.m. I start timing them. So I, I was in bed, but I was just lying awake because I'm not the quickest at falling asleep, I guess. So already at that stage when they were like six to ten minutes apart, it was pretty hard for me to sleep because another one would come before I was fully asleep. You didn't really get much sleep that night. No, I was in bed though. I stayed in bed for most of the night. I was maybe up a few times because I started timing them at 2 a.m. because I was a little bit curious. They were starting to feel a bit closer, but still, you know, very doable. 
but stronger than earlier. That contraction timer was something that I had downloaded the day before. It wasn't initially something I thought I would use during the birth, but then I was like, okay, I know that during Evi's birth loss, one of the challenges for me was to fully let go and find the breaks between sensations. That was like a big point of preparation for me to be able to rest when possible. I thought that maybe the contraction timer would be a resource for me in seeing the beginning and an end of a contraction, like a mental resource. It did end up helping me. At times it helped me to let go of it, and at times I, it helped me to be like, okay, I only have to do it for X amount of seconds and or a minute or whatever it was. So 2 a.m., I'm timing them, start timing them through the night, and I'm up a little bit, but I'm mostly in bed that night, but awake. And that would be the first of, well, I was pretty much mostly awake until I gave birth on Sunday. It was just a pretty constant waterfall of early labor contractions that prevented you from actually falling asleep. Yeah, the breaks were not long enough for me to sleep. So of course I did my best to rest. And then the pattern just so like Wednesday night at that point and throughout the night, the contractions were relatively short. So they were 20 to 40 seconds, six to 10 minutes apart throughout the whole of the night. And then, you know, waking up Thursday from not sleeping or getting up rather. Okay, now I know I'm in early labor and I'm not really sure, of course, what the day will present itself, but I'm just kind of mentally in that space of of being with it, I guess, and I'm navigating the yeah. contractions. I think we watched a movie during Thursday day because we thought, okay, best to just try to relax as, as much yeah. as possible. The mindset was like, okay, early labor, when possible, we'll try to relax. Um, Roshan can give me a massage. But already at that point, I could still lie down on Thursday, but it was most comfortable for me to be up. I would have an occasional one that was one minute long, but the average was 30, 40 seconds throughout Thursday. And I would also have occasional ones that were really close together, like two minutes apart. Once or twice where I had like a 15 minute break and an 18 minute break, mm -hmm. but the average was still six to 10 minutes. So first day was just kind of an early labor day. Yeah, and We got... had no idea <laughs> no. that this would keep going for the next four days with no sleep involved. Yeah. Pretty much for you and one or two hours of sleep for me to try to keep up. At the same time, the intensity of the contractions slowly increased a little bit each day. For sure they did. They got stronger all the time. And my body was definitely really working and, you know, doing the work that is necessary before a birth comes. And in this, in Kamayo's birth, it just had a pattern of just very slowly ripening me open. Yeah. And so Thursday comes and goes. Um, so I haven't slept Wednesday night. I go through all of Thursday by Thursday night, my contractions are considerably stronger. I can't really lie down much. In, I'm most comfortable standing. 
I can kneel a little bit, but I'm just working with the contractions, doing different things and just making my way through them. They were a little bit longer, a little bit stronger, but the pattern would like come and go, sometimes a little closer together, sometimes that six to 10 minutes apart. So very similar still throughout the night. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't really get that much sleep on Thursday because I was researching uh, how long this early phase of labor lasts, going into all the details of it, realizing that many women experience it to go on nonstop for many days as well. Um, for me, that was like another thing where it's like, yeah, I know that that happens, but I don't think it's going to happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you're up all night, Thursday night, and then Friday morning, I think, we got you in the pool? Yeah, and that kind of became a... Well, so because I'd been up all night, I was really tired and a little bit questioning, like, what would be the pattern of my labor, what was to come. But it was only my second night of not sleeping, so it would be way more than that. But yeah, we decided to get the birth pool ready to see if I could get a little bit of rest. That really became a thing in my labor. Like, that birth pool saved me because I couldn't lie down. If I was out of the pool, I could stand up. That was, like, my comfort place. I couldn't really kneel out of outside of the pool. I couldn't really do much. So whenever I wasn't in the pool, I was standing up mm-hmm. and working through contractions and just yeah really working Mm -hmm. um and so the pool became the only place that I could find some sort of rest in between the waves of contractions Mm -hmm. and I really feel like the birth pool saved the birth Mm -hmm. I know that I would have gotten through it no matter what Mm -hmm. but just in terms of because I wasn't sleeping the birth pool was my only place of just getting some sort of rest getting off my feet yeah so in yeah. the birth pool, I could lean over um, the edge a little bit in between the waves. That would give me some element of, of rest. And just like I'm like a water person, so water is really comforting to me. It really relaxes me mentally and physically. So it just was a really big yes. ally. And then sometime in the late afternoon, the mucus plug came out. Yeah, I remember I went to the toilet and I had a little bit of blood, just a tiny bit. And I was like, honey, look. And you were like, oh, well, that's just a little bit. Because that was right before. Then the mucus plug came out right after. But then you were like, oh, well, it's just a little bit. And I was like, yeah, but it's progress. (laughs) Something, you know, it's happening. I need a little bit of like, okay, it's been, you know, by that point, it was Friday afternoon. So it was like a day and a half. And I just needed to, like, celebrate little somethings because I had been up for so long and already going a lot. So, and you were just like, well, that's just a tiny bit. Yeah, and then a minute later, the whole thing came out. The whole thing came out. But I was ready to just celebrate a tinge of blood. It's like, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Yeah, the whole mucus plug came out. That did impress you. And I was, like, very impressed. (laughs) Like, wow, this is like a sink plug. It was very thick and solid. So my body was like, okay, fine, we'll show you. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah a big impressive mucus plug came out and that was also when the contraction started feeling even stronger and i didn't have any type of like slowing down while being in the birth pool my contraction just kept on going and i was peeing after each contraction having to get up to pee at this point i did start to be like is there anything that i need to like support in some ways do we need to do some body work do i need to do something so i was starting to question that a little bit at this stage i think you were concerned that he might be stuck i felt that he his head was because he was still quite high at this stage and i felt that there was a bit of a, a bulge above the pubic bone i wonder if i need to support him to just descend a little bit more and engage lower he was high. Yeah, high and you know, in hindsight, it probably was just that it needed time. I don't think that really any birth position or no. movement really was gonna do much. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I it did change. So what I started doing was from spinning babies, abdominal lift, and an inversion. Yeah, and I was doing quite a few of those abdominal lift and tucks during contractions, which was super intense for me. And it did change. That bulge above the pubic bone went away. So it did change something. Whether but, or not it was necessary, I'm not sure yeah, at all. But I don't even know if that was what changed it. So it, it's kind yeah. of a bit hard to say. But in hindsight, I think that it just was something that needed time because... It would still be another couple of days, really, before things got going. Yeah, and it's a tiny bit of that mindset of that the birth should somehow be faster. When yeah. it, that's not the truth. It yeah. was, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of leftover of that sliver of that something should be happening differently when it happened really perfectly and it happened in the pace that my body and Kamayo's body and being decided you know, you don't always know why the rhythm unfolds the way it is and coming back to that, protecting his birth journey yeah, as well. So we were really worried that it was taking a long time um, on Friday. And even Thursday we were worried because I did a whole bunch of research on Thursday night and, you know, I was then realized that, okay, we could be doing this for many days of no sleep. So then um, I started paying attention to other things. So after each contraction, you were having to pee because it was pressing on your bladder or something. And so this is every three to 10 minutes. And sometimes I would notice that the, the pee was tinged with pink. And so I wondered whether we should do a, a urine test. We had these urine strips to make sure there was no infection. And, but I didn't want to raise it with you because I didn't want to introduce another fear into the birth process. So I secretly measured it and there was indeed some blood in the urine. There's uh, some kind of, I think, the variation where it's like damaged hemoglobin and there was 
so this is on the on the slight scale they're on the slight scale because there's different like levels like just the first color faint color of it and then also faint color of white blood cell and also faint color of protea protein in the urine i think but no bacterial detection um, and I think there might have been something else as well. And so I, I really sat with it Friday and did a lot of research into the night to figure out if we needed to do anything because normally in the system they would uh, want to do a full urine test, I think, and determine specifically if there's any bacteria and if so, what type of bacteria or something like that. And that that's a process that I think takes a day maybe. I didn't know whether it applied so much during the actual birth. Um, they would definitely be looking into it more yeah. if you were showing Well, they would, they would want to give you antibiotics or something like that just as a precaution maybe. Part of what helped me make a decision to not take it any further was that you were physically undergoing a lot of strain and your body was being really stressed and exhausted and when I was a kid I was a competitive tennis player and had sometimes grueling matches I remember peeing pink urine like much more pink after some matches so I I just came to the conclusion that your body was undergoing so much stress physically and as a result, there was some a little bit of blood in your urine. And at this stage, also the baby is still moving fine. Like, doesn't warrant further attention at this stage, but maybe just keep an eye on it. He was moving well. We were both feeling strongly that he was okay, yeah. despite the efforts of my yeah. body maybe being a lot. Yeah. So this was my private little crisis on Friday. And you were in another room, so I was mainly in my space during that time. Yeah. I was alone for a lot of the laboring, really. Yeah. But you were always tuned in to me and checking in on me, but I was just in my own space and in my own world, really. So, yeah, Friday comes and goes. Contractions that are stronger. And, yeah, I'm definitely laboring definitely working through it and in it uh, friday i get maybe a couple of hours sleep so you're up all night friday i got up at some point early very very early morning kind of nighttime still of mm -hmm. the birth pool and then i'm just up and working with the contractions mostly standing i think i take a few kneeling leaning over the bed and then I just remember that Saturday morning, maybe like 9 a.m., you're sleeping. My contractions were three to six minutes apart. They were still only like 40 seconds long, mostly. I was a little bit overwhelmed that morning. How long will I be going for? Will I still have energy for when active labor starts? And really waiting for you to wake up because I needed yeah. to talk things over a bit. Wow, two and a half days into the birth, I remember this point so vividly. I was getting really tired, but 
all along, I felt so deeply connected to Kamayo in my womb. And I kept checking in with him, and each time I felt him say to me, I'm good. This is just our journey. This is our flow. So although I really needed to lean into the center of my birth and make sure I was showing up as needed, I also felt a knowing that my son was doing good. And I kept coming back to the birth affirmation I had written on the wall that said, protect Kamayo's birth journey, which more than anything meant trust him and trust birth and trust yourself. Saturday morning, Saturday morning, I'm just like, okay, I just need some facts. Like how long do I need to do this for? I said like, will I still be going on Wednesday? Will I, you know, I'd had the feeling all along that he would be here before the weekend was over. Me too. But the longer it went, I was like, I don't know. Like, because it was just kind of windy, spirally energy pattern to the birth that I was, I'm not sure if I'm right. And so like Saturday morning, yeah, it might still happen, but it also might not happen. I was more positive because I could see that there was progress, you know, and mucus plug came out completely on Friday and just the way it came out that it was just one big lump to me indicated that okay it's just your body has just suddenly at a late stage decided to start the process whereas for most people they the the mucus plug and all that the contractions start earlier on and happen over many days on and off slowly whereas you're kind of like taking the express train and then I could also, you know, judging by the the shape of your belly, I could see that the it looked like the baby, you know, was moving, shifting, and going further down. Mm. I forgot to add that actually Friday I did a cervical check and I was my cervix was still really high. Mm-hmm. I remember I'd been a little bit discouraged by that as well, but I was like, okay, this is just where it's at, and it'll change. Yeah, I was really tired at this stage and my my need saturday morning was just i need us to just sit with it and just be sure that we are seeing everything and we're doing we're showing up to this birth the way it's asking us so that was my need and there was some fears and there was also just some like okay i need us to just be real and not not just let it happen just be here look at everything look at both physically and energetically i just needed us to reassess reorganize myself to keep going mm-hmm. and so while I've been up in the morning by myself the contractions have been like three to six minutes apart and pretty strong and then I get back into the birth pool and they start slowing a little bit back down to the six minutes apart at this time and because I'm so drowsy I start sleeping for a few seconds between contractions yeah and it's literally a few seconds because I'm I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. the one that's noticing that, that you're sleeping. And it's just very, very short time. And, but it's like, oh, wow. My body checks a few, out. A yeah. few seconds of sleep. <laughs> not only sleep, you're not really able to eat anything. You can take sips of water and that's about it. In these last couple of days, you had maybe like a small slice of bread. 
really hardly anything to eat at all like you just couldn't eat i think maybe at some point i just could not get food down and it was even hard for me to drink as well i was just forcing myself to try and stay hydrated just taking like tiny sips of water sometimes coconut water raspberry leaf infusion as well at some points just a little bit it was just really hard for me to ingest anything even the liquids but i was just forcing myself to do my best to stay somewhat hydrated at this time, this was definitely my need, not yours. But what I bring up is that I'm wondering if we should call a midwife that we know, a midwife that is going to be able to see it from our point of view, not a not a medical yeah. sort of midwife. Just like share a little bit about our journey thus far and hear another perspective. But basically, we called her Saturday morning. We left a message because she didn't pick up, and we didn't actually end up talking to her until Sunday. We forgot to talk about that we did go to um, consult with a midwife that we knew already beforehand and had met, but not in the context of our own pregnancy. But, but that was mainly because I needed to... I wanted to know that... Like, I had a few questions that I wanted to discuss, and then the main thing was that I wanted to ask if she would be available to come after the birth yep. in case of tearing that needed more assistance. I felt I would be okay, but you never know. And then also, my mom tore really badly with my birth, and I think I had it a little bit in the back of my mind. Just like, okay, I don't want to be going to the hospital if I do. Like, if it was a small tear, I would be leaving it. But yeah, yeah so... I wanted to like go and ask if you know she would be available and comfortable coming after yeah. a free birth, just if I needed it. Yeah. Yeah. So we had that. We had that consultation, and and that was good. And she said that, or I don't know if she offered or we asked. I think she offered like. She just said, you know, you yeah. can call at any point if you want to. Yeah. To. And if something comes if, up. Yeah, if something comes up or whatever. Which had kind of been in my mind. I knew I didn't want a midwife there. It was just not my need. But of course, it always is nice to know that if something happens, that you have someone that you can reach out to. Yeah. Because for me, it's just it would have been a disturbance to just have someone there just in case. Yeah. Um, And probably disrupted my birth quite a bit. Yeah. For me, it's makes so much more sense to have someone that you could call on if you were to need it. Yeah. So I'm in the birth pool. Things slow a little bit. I start getting a magical few seconds of sleep. Um, and at 2 p.m. I was able to get some light sleep between 2 and 2.30 my contractions slowed a little bit, so I started having 10 to 15 minute breaks all of a sudden, which was very different from the last two days. And in those breaks, I started dozing off. I'm in the birth pool for most of the day, and about like 5 p.m., I, I get out of the birth pool, and we try and prop me up with like all the pillows to hope that I can handle the contractions lying down. And I end up getting a 12-minute sleep, and then I wake up, and then I get another five minutes of sleep until I'm, like, 
I have to get up because it's just too uncomfortable for me to mm-hmm. to lie down and it just takes it's just too intense for me to try and handle it mm-hmm. lying down so something that I would have to really turn around later on became this whole issue of sleep and rest there's a saying you know that exhaustion is the enemy of birth it can slow it down and potentially even disrupt it and you were quite concerned about the lack of sleep and expressing to me that I really needed to try and rest yeah I mean it's like pretty essential it is essential but it ended up being something I had to overcome mentally because the reality was that sleep just wasn't available to me. Contractions were too close and too big for me to fall asleep for real. I couldn't really lie down and yeah, it just became a bit of a another stressful factor. And then as the night comes from like 7 p.m., my contractions start getting stronger, and at 11 p.m., I get back in the pool, and this is when my contractions really change. They just really change in nature. They become, the intensity was completely different, so they kind of move to the sides of my body, like I've had a lot of back labor up until now. And they kind of moved to the side, still back there, but the sides of my body. And I really start feeling like my cervix as well, in a way. Not like pain in the cervix, I can't quite describe it. And I, I know that I named them to you as prostaglandin contractions mm-hmm. because they remind me of how it can feel when you have prostaglandin kind of painful contractions in your in your womb and... But it wasn't really in my womb, but it was just, I was feeling my cervix working yeah. really hard on the sides of my body, and they were super intense. Mm-hmm. Those contractions there are also closer together. And this takes me into the night between Saturday and Sunday. This became my most challenging time in the birth, for sure, because they're so intense, and I'm no longer able to, like, kneel and lean over the edge or like move about all of a sudden I can only sit upright in the pool which doesn't even make sense as like a good birthing position really but it was just the only position I could be in and I had to be completely still and I really had to work to get to a stage where I just took it Mm -hmm. let the fire take me and the sensations were intense and this kept going all night from Saturday. Mm-hmm. Hearing that made me happy because it was like, okay, the labor is progressing to the next stage. It's just taking a while, but it is getting there. Like nothing is stuck. It's just going about in its own way and just we got to be patient and wait it out. Yeah. Yeah. There was definitely something different happened. And the, the truth is there had been progress from the beginning. It hadn't just been the same, but it was just that when you're in it and it's day after day of labor, yeah. it does kind of start feeling like it goes on and on. Yeah. But it was still like that slow spirally pattern. Wow, this was such a wild psychedelic point in my labor. 
wave after wave flooding my body as I sat alone in the bathtub embraced by darkness. The only resource that was left at this point was surrender. Complete surrender in its purest form. There was no easing the birth sensations in my body. There was no doing anything. My body wanted to sit up tall in the middle of the birth pool. It wouldn't allow me to lean on anything. And I just had to soften into this wild birth energy that roared and rolled through my body like thunder. It was so incredibly intense. But it was also beautiful. I was in the fire and my son and I were making our way together. I'm on my fourth night without sleep and now I can only sit upright and I start getting deliriously tired because I can't lean on anything. I'm just sitting upright. I'm nodding in between contractions. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm going to fall over into the pool. And like, I don't even know. She died giving birth, drowning (laughs) in a birth pool. And you were mostly sleeping, except when I like woke you up because I needed to like get some heat or something. Uh, Yeah, but those things take a while. So so it's like only two two hours that I actually slept. But to me, I felt like you were sleeping forever. Because, you know, my contractions were closed, so I didn't know I've taken an eternity of contractions since you were last up. Right. <laughs> Just, like, I'm so tired that everything is a little psychedelic around me. Yeah. I'm a little bit dismantled in the way that only birth can do in the sense I'm just in it and just showing up for these waves and, you know, I'm just fully there because there's nothing else that you can possibly do in that type of intensity. And yet there's still also moments where I'm like, okay, how many more days? That was basically the big question. It was definitely coming, but it was still like, this is four nights or whatever without sleep. So it is a lot. And still no food. Yeah. And so as the days keep flowing, um, Sunday morning comes and at 7.30 I've been sitting upright all night. Let's attempt to lie me down again um, since I haven't been able to rest my body in the pool now. But I lied down. Contraction came pretty much immediately and I almost jumped out of bed because I just Mm -hmm. could not take it. Okay, that's it. Like, I'm not lying down again until birth is over. There's absolutely no way. That was just too intense. And so, um, yeah, contractions are still really strong throughout the morning. They're in the sides and into my thighs and my cervix and continuing really strong. And then we talked to the midwife, I think, around 10-ish. Yes, I spoke with her and explained the situation. And I basically had it on loudspeaker so that you could hear. And uh, she was very amazed. I think she was surprised. that I don't think she'd heard of early labor contractions going nonstop for so long. But just confirmed that we were basically doing everything right. And that surely 
the birth would happen within the next 24 hours. And she said that, you know, if we were worried, we could go to the hospital to have a check and stress test and all these things if we felt, yeah. you know, called to do that. And we could go to the hospital and still go back home again, yeah. you know, if that's... And I just felt in every fiber of my being that that was not what the birth called for. Yeah. But at the same time, I was also needing us to just really tune in to make sure we were protecting Kamayo's birth journey in exactly the way that it needed. Not just blindly staying home or something like that, but protecting it, keeping him safe. And that was what we're doing. Yeah. But I needed to just really tune in that that was what we're doing. Because the fact is I am scared of the hospital and I didn't want that fear to deter me from going in if it was necessary. And also to clarify, like for me, I had decided that I wouldn't tell the midwife about the urine test that I did. Uh, one, because I didn't want you to worry about it. And two, because I had done a lot of research. And for me, there was no real risk at this stage. It was just very unlikely that there was any infection or that that there would be any risk to Kamayo as a result. So I just left that out of the picture for her. Yeah, he felt really good. And it was just, you know, we were tired. But besides that, we we're tired and we we're a little bit like... We were, were the ones that weren't okay. <laughs> we were taken by birth in the sense of like just being in a space where you're showing up for something you you can't fully control, but you're showing up to it with all your might. And um, But he was good, and that was what we kept coming back to, and just being like, okay, is there anything? Because basically the midwife said what comes to mind is first like either positioning, slowing down the breath, and I knew from palpating him and everything that, you know, yeah. he was in perfect position and he was lower now as well too and so that part was like i know it's not positioning yeah and then she said or is there a fear or something else yeah slowing down labor so that was kind of what we sat with after the call like is there something present in the birth space that we haven't like really yeah brought our attention to or is there something kamayo is asking yeah. of us that we haven't and you know what, I don't think there was, but having that conversation at that time was just the perfect timing. Having that conversation of looking where we've been, looking where we're at, and seeing if there's any blockages and where how we want to progress forward was a really good thing to do at that particular time. Yeah, and it just oriented us towards the fact that we both felt things were good. They were yeah. just, you know unfolding in a way we hadn't quite expected yeah. but things were good and in that sense there was nothing to worry about yeah and one of the things that I shared in that was that I had already worried whether like this is something that had already because I'd already heard this that that often there is a blockage that prevents people from moving forward with the birth and um, I think on Friday I went out um, shopping for food and, you know, during that time I was just like assessing everything and one of the things I was assessing was, am I blocking the birth journey somehow because of my energy that I'm bringing into the birth? I figured there wasn't, but 
it allowed me to come into a certain energy of initiation into um, protecting your birth journey and being there as as a husband and a and a father and um, protecting Kamal's birth journey and um, so the there was a lot of fears going on like do we need to go to the hospital when at what point do we decide and all this sort of thing and the urine test coming up and but regardless of the outcome I wanted to look back and not regret anything that I that I did so it was very much a, a process of me at that point going you know what this is really good I'm you know I'm gonna make myself proud in the mm -hmm. end by protecting this birth space and, and doing everything I can to be on top of everything, hold space for this birth. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the things that you shared with me in that conversation, which we hadn't talked about before. And, and one of the fear that was mainly present for me was that fear of having to go to the hospital. Yeah. And that did came up as something that I would have to let go and decide how this was going to go down. And at the end of that conversation, we both put our hands on my womb and tuned in with him and talked to him about what we we're feeling and asked him if there was anything he needed from us. And that felt really good too. And it just felt in the end like affirming that we were where we needed to be. And I feel, especially in hindsight, I really see that the main obstacle was just thinking that there was an obstacle with the slow labor. It was just its own perfect labor pattern. And it was just a leftover sort of medical model, if you will, of how long things yeah. should last. This slow labor was nothing to change. It was normal yeah. and whole and perfect as it was. Yeah, and very beautiful. And I think we asked, well, why, what is the kind of benefit of this slow labor? And for me, I raised the point that, you know, I got to really appreciate and work my, my butt off holding this space and really make some serious decisions to try to protect this birth journey and having the outcome that we want and framing it that birth is ceremony. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so that was something that I had written down on a, on a stone that I had in the birth space and something that I'd really, it'd been a me sitting and looking at the stone with the words birthday ceremony was, I would say, a pretty big chunk of my preparation for birth. That wording, that sentence really, it resonated with me in a way that was helping me to ripen my capacity to sit with birth energy for an extended time. In the circles we come, there's a lot of people that are really into plant medicine, ayahuasca and other plant medicines, and really enjoy powerful work with that. And I'm always saying that my menstrual cycle is my ayahuasca, <laughs> and I go on my version of an ayahuasca with my bleeding phase every month. I really think that, you know, I don't negate, you know, being called to work with plant medicines at all. I just personally feel really called to work with initiations that show up through my body and through life. And I think we often 
forget just how much is available there, just through our bodies, that the things that happen in our body can be just as psychedelic and transformative and medicinal and ceremonial. And so it came from that, you know, remembrance of the ceremonies in our bodies and showing up for them. But I've just reflected upon like, huh, it's really interesting that people are willing, you know, plant medicine come with intensity, physical intensity as well. And a lot of people are really willing to show up to these ceremonies again and again and, you know, sit in that intensity, vomit, yeah, other things, many emotional intensity, integration of it. There's such a willingness to sit in that intensity and then not so much a willingness or ability to sit in the intensity that is served up in, for example, their cycle, but it could also be at any other part of life. So I just like reflected and I was like, yeah, it's like birth is another version of that, you know, and my menstrual cycle has served me up major transformation just from me being willing to sit in the fire of that intensity at times. And that intensity is not always physical, but certainly is intense. Once I remember that something is sacred, my strength and ability to welcome it, the intensity, the potential intensity, just multiplies by, I don't know, a thousand. I'm so much more able to show up for it. So whenever I consider the, you know, mundane things in life sacred, I'm much more able to handle things that are hard or when I show up to my menstrual cycle, every phase of it as sacred, I'm much more able to navigate and really work with it. And when I show up to birth as sacred and as ceremony, I am bringing with me a strength to like truly show up for it, be willing to work with it. Like, and this is ceremony. Like, this birth is my son's initiation and journey into the earth. As my fears show, we wanted our baby to arrive safely. But along with that, I also wanted, you know, the energy to be protected at the birth. I wanted you know, my self and Kamayo to be held sacred throughout and not be disruptive. And it was something that just felt so core and so essential to what felt important for me and my son. And it was definitely a, a ceremony and it went for a long time and the longer it went for, the more we got out of it, at least I did in my own way. And, you know, that, that term birth of ceremony definitely came to me a couple of times seeing that stone, uh, during the birth. And it really reminded me and anchored me into, um, the framing of things and, and help guide, you know, how I was in, in, in the birth space and holding that birth space and help guide the decisions that I, that I made. I think also, you know, it really helped that I knew you so well, that we knew each other so well. Eight years deep. I, it's hard to put to words how that's important, but. It, well, it was all the unspoken parts that comes from life together that was able to create a space and you you can't recreate that with someone from the outside mm -hmm. so is it that feels like um yeah a vital piece mm 
After we've talked to Kamayo, I'm in the breath pool a little bit longer, but we've decided that I'm going to start getting ready to get out of the breath pool. By that, I mean that I kind of need to work myself up mentally <laughs> to get out of the birth pool because my contractions were quite intense and I was a little bit scared to get out of the birth pool, basically. So I need a little bit of time to kind of be like, okay, I'm going to do it. Mm. And um, at 1 p.m., I get out of the tub. But yeah, but we had this intention that we would really like work with the contractions. Yeah, there was a change really, of energy at really that time. Really try and like now or never kind of yeah. attitude. Um, yeah. And that was partly, I think the midwife suggested that we try something like that. She said first rest and then get to work. Yeah. You know, um, that was basically what she left us with. Yeah, because it was pretty much happening like the prostaglandin what you were feeling the cervix was loosening for sure yeah so we did uh make a another attempt at rest funnily enough (laughs) so i get out of the birth pool and um two minutes well it was not even two minutes because literally i lie down and the first contraction like that come I just yeah I just get up so fast like well again I'm just like never again (laughs) it was just and that that one was even more intense there was just no way yeah we should have been the pattern but you know you had to try again (laughs) so that so then that was like my meeting with that what I've kind of been speaking to that I had focus on rest had become an obstacle for me at that point also, one thing to add is the midwife had sent a text message to me afterwards. Mm-hmm. She wrote, she meditated a bit on our situation, and she's saying, I feel that you're being asked to just really stand clearly with your decision, decide that this is going to go well, push your fear aside, and ask your baby and your uterus to really show you what they got. You are standing unwaveringly in that everything is well, and... Every layer that comes up now is old grief, fear, and a question about autonomy. So feel it, love it, and let it pass. You're transforming for multiple lives now. So that's what you wrote, and it resonated what had been present with me after our conversation as well. So after that very brief attempt at lying down, I'm now standing up, and the contractions are really strong. I'm using a chair to brace myself against with each one because I need something to hold on to, something hard. And at that point, we decide I'm just going to stand here working with my contractions. You're going to go get a little bit of rest. And so before you get rest, you help me just set up a little bit of a space. So it's not much, but I ask you to get my wolf, which is a picture of a wolf that I do quite a bit of work with, my inner animal. And I knew I needed my inner wolf for this next part. So basically it was like, get my wolf and I get some music I needed to put on. And then I wanted this video of flowers, slow motion blooming repeatedly. So it was like a three hour 
That's actually fast motion. Yeah, fast motion. It's not slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you helped me set up my little space there with my flowers blossoming, my music, my wolf, and my chair. And you went to lie down. And in that space, I went into active labor. Um, so this was really like the next stage really happened here. You sleep and I'm standing up with my intense contractions. They're quite close together now as well. And they're getting closer as I'm standing there. So they're close and long, full waves through my body. You sleep for... It was basically an hour. Yeah, so you come back in to the room. I was really in it, but I was also kind of excited to tell you because I checked my cervix while you had been in the room, and it was really ripe now. Yeah. <laughs> and mushy so. and soft and open and all the good things. I was like, oh, yeah. this is good. <laughs> yeah, and I I was pretty excited too. I was like, oh, really? Wow, that's it's happening. Which was such a relief. It's like walking in the desert for days and days and days and not seeing anything. And then all of a sudden catching sight of a big lake in front of you. Yeah. And so 3.15 you come in. Then at 3.30 the water sack is starting to bulge. Egg size. Yeah. Bulging out of my yoni. And yeah. I'm like, do I you want to see? <laughs> I should have taken a picture. Yeah. It was like a, a little egg um, emerging out. And I could see that the water was straw colored, so that was good. Um, and yeah, I think it was just pushing through somehow. Yeah. And that was, of course, super affirmative that it's going to be yeah. now. Yeah. And yeah, contractions were just like. Yeah, they were, I think, um, four minutes apart and then becoming three minutes apart and about a minute long or more yeah and they just quickly got closer and closer to two minutes apart so i'm still just standing in that same little spot contractions just keep getting closer but same intensity but i'm like bracing myself with each one and taking the little rest in between that i can and at five uh blood is dripping down my thighs and at 5.30, we have an epic water show. <laughs> <laughs> I felt it was really epic. I really liked that part in the birth. Mm. <laughs> it was one of my favorite moments. Because I've had an hour and a half of contractions with the water sack bulging. And so the water sack was, you know, not uncomfortable, but just the sensation there with each one. So it just felt really epic, that feeling of that. I, I remember like it was slow motion, but it obviously wasn't, but it was just like the contraction gathering in and pushing on the mm. sack yeah. and the big epic burst and it just like, poof, it was like a waterfall. It wasn't a waterfall. Bursting. Yeah, water balloon. A big spray. Yeah. So it just burst mid-contraction and yeah, it just felt really good. Yeah. Very satisfying, especially after all those late days of yeah. labor. Yeah. It just felt like a major, a major, major thing. Fireworks. <laughs> and so that was kind of a switch as well. It's like 5.35, the water broke, and that started a little bit already changing my contractions. 
they were starting to be pushing contractions. So I started to have these major waves of bearing down out of my control through my body and a little bit of roaring, I think, at that stage already. A little bit of roaring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, much more animal like. More groaning than. Yeah, and guttural. Roaring. Yeah. But I wasn't like super loud for sure. Yeah. Um, and so we decided that you would get the birth pool ready, um, rewarm it. And by the way, we had changed the water <laughs> along <laughs> the, this birth journey because it was many days of using the birth pool. Um, it was good and clean to get into for the birth. And so you got the birth pool ready and kind of went into that final work mode of just birth pool ready, maybe the fire a little bit, and just the last little bits of organizations while I was having my pushing contractions. Um, at 6 p.m. I could start to feel the head with my fingers, and we think it was probably around 6.45 I got into the birth pool, but the time is not really exact. It was all happening, and then I was pretty much stuck because you were holding the chair beforehand as a support for yeah, your contractions, and then in the birth pool there wasn't anything around to hold on to. Well, there was the handles, but they were way... I needed something hard and sturdy. Yeah, and so I was uh, basically on the side, and you had me... It was kind of like an underarm grip, so like yeah. you were holding on to my underarms, and I was holding on to you. Yeah, and You pulling. were sitting on the bed next to the birth pool, and I was kind of standing on my knees yeah. and leaning towards you, and then... I would just, I guess, pull on you pretty hard. I mean, yeah. I really needed that pulling and physical sort of detraction and resistance, really. Just the wave of energy that came through me with each sort of bearing down was just like a major energy just descending and then pushing down through my body. It just felt so strong that I really needed something to like brace myself against to just allow that to happen mm. not that I could not allow it in a way but that's what I felt I needed I remember being like oh this is like interesting like I actually really need something I always thought I would just be kneeling yeah. on all fours on my hands as well and just like you would be behind me ready to catch the baby but that was not it yeah it's pretty dark at this point because it's getting late in the birth pool, holding on you, and we're working together. We're guessing an hour and a half of yeah. pushing or bearing down. I don't know what you would call it. And I'm stuck. I can't do anything. No, they're coming time. very close together. And at one point you're like, I have to pee. You can't. No way. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I couldn't. Like I had to have something to hold on to and there wasn't anything else around. So... There was just, like, no option for you to leave. Yeah. So at first I was like, okay. Uh, and then I realized I was really stuck. But then I also realized, well, the birth could happen very shortly now. And I needed to assist now and focus on being here. And I started going into the energetics of that, like the connection that we had, you know, physically and 
what I transmitted in that physical connection, the energy that I held you with, basically tuning in and channeling the most birthing energy I could think of, the energy of the universe kind of thing, and and trying to dance with you, with your resistance. Yeah, you kind of found your way into how to how to be the counterpart to the energy that I was pulling and giving. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's just a whole journey of like baby descending and um kind of yeah, moving in and out. Um there was ring of fire a couple of times as he like came down and then went in again. The first time I was like, okay, that's the feeling. <laughs> that's intense, okay? But yeah, we're doing it. Felt a lot of the intensity towards the front. When he descended down, I felt like my clitoris really got stretched. And I was like, not my clitoris, please keep it safe. <laughs> and it was. So, but it was like in my mind as well. There were like many different things that came up in my mind throughout the pushing, bearing down. And At this point, I've probably been in the birth pool for around one and a half hours with these wild pushing sensations that felt like they actually started outside of my body. They felt like thunder that came from the crown of my head and then flooded down through me. And it was also a really stormy night. The wind was pulling the house and with each wave I would roar and the storm would roar and there was just so much power. And all the while, there was also this deep, quiet presence. My husband and I were so intently present together, riding each wave as one. And I was feeling all the sensations of Camayo slowly finding his way down through my body. I felt wide open. And at times, the stretching and being so wide open was confronting and so raw. But he was coming, and he was coming soon. Yeah, finally. That last bit was, it felt like a real effort. Even though I think it was just a couple of times that it happened, it felt like real work in some way to like really get him out. Trying to let my body do it as much as possible, but um, definitely working yeah. with it. Assisting it. Assisting it, yeah. And um, finally that work completes with his head coming out, which felt... That just that part felt really slow leading up to it, so it felt really amazing. And I just remember saying to you, "His head is out," and you were like, "Wow, really? Do you remember?" Yeah, I was really amazed. I was expecting it to be another few contractions. I think I was just getting into the flow of the dance, and I know I wanted things to go longer at this stage to prevent any tears. Yeah. Yeah. But so hard to keep track of the time when you haven't slept for so long. And and also we were just sitting yeah. there in it. It was completely dark besides the salt yeah. lamp in the corner. There was no clock we could see. You were definitely not looking at anything. We are just in it. Yeah. 
which is also why we don't have a lot of pictures. Yeah. <laughs> like, we were just in this breath. Yeah, you said the head was out, so, and that, that was like a huge relief coming after yeah. many days of this journey to reach such a milestone. The head coming out is basically the hardest part in a birth normally, and, and that it came out was just amazing. Yeah, it was. I was just really out of it at that stage as well, so the head's out. What now? <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> and then you were like, which is just really funny when considering how well I know and work with breath and all these things, but just in the moment, I was just not there. You just said. Now the shoulder will rotate and they will come out. Yeah. And it was like very matter of fact. And I was like, okay. And then a moment later, the shoulders rotated and he slid out. And I leaned back and it was only like in that moment that I realized that I would be, I had always had in my mind that you would be catching him. I don't know why. It's not that I didn't want to catch him, but it wasn't until that moment that I realized that I would be the one catching him. Yeah, it was just like a very no mind instinct. I'm not even sure my mind was online at that stage to even have conscious thoughts. So I leaned back and pulled him out of the water and he was face down so I pulled him up with his back first and I held him for just a moment to let his fluids drain and then pulled him into my arms. Yeah, what do you mean his the fluids drain? It was just something I had in my mind of like just wait pausing just like a second or two to just let the fluids drain out of his nose and stuff. From where I was looking, it just looked like you pulled him out of the water and he immediately just like stretched and started crying and breathing. Yeah. Uh, it, it reminded me of like, I don't know what mythological story, but some creature being born like jumping, just jumped out of the water, <laughs> you know, and was like. Reaching out and crying. I'm and here. I've heard you've waited like, for me. Away. Like, there was just no delay. It was just sprung into action straight out of the womb. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm here. Kind of. I'm breathing. I'm crying. He was also just, he was really like there. He wasn't one of those babies that take a little moment to arrive or realize. Like it felt like he was like there. Yeah. And strong the first thing that crossed my mind you know having done all these looking out videos like seeing babies being resuscitated and being prepared to do that as soon as i saw him it was like oh my god this is the most healthy baby in the whole world yeah you know? he definitely came out strong and that's really like the way his energy of coming out and really being in the room with us was also part of why i feel like it was this long labor with a really victorious ending because <laughs> yeah. it was like this spiral that we walked but the ending felt so victorious it was and there was um, one thing that i mentioned that was part of it feeling victorious was that when we made that shift where i was coming from the pool to stand up and when, when i went into active labor there was a real mental shift for me as well it was like okay no I'm definitely not going to the hospital. This is happening. I'm pre-birthing my baby right here. 
Diana Wolf and I are doing it. Yeah. You know what? Like, I don't need rest. <laughs> Parents do amazing things. Just because that resting had become an obstacle, yeah. would I have energy for active labor? And now I was in active labor. I was like, you know what? I don't need rest. I have all the energy in the world. Whatever my baby needs, I can do it. Yeah. I'm here and I'm doing it. We just have power inside of us when we need it. And this yeah. obsession with rest, I just really needed to put it to the side because of course I can. I don't need to sleep. I can do it. Like I have all the energy in the world for this, for my baby. And it just really put me in a different mental state. I had a real mental shift, which for me gave me the experience that I shifted the birth. I got out of the pool, set my mind straight, went into active labor, and got back into the pool and birthed my baby. That was the feeling for me. Yeah, and by Saturday, I was pretty amazed at how you were doing with so little sleep and so little food. So I was already pretty amazed at everything you were doing, like how how you're managing and just working through every contraction for so long, like and just that you were, you know, still sane after so many days of that, um, and both during and afterwards, like really reflecting on that other quote on your wall where it says. Something like, there's a big secret in our society. It's not that birth is painful, it's that women are strong. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, like that. Yeah, and actually, so that was that quote was right in front of where I was standing with the chair during the active labor. And right next to it, I had, allow yourself to have what you want. That was the other quote. So I had those two quotes that were placed where I happened to be standing and they really summed up my mindset shift as I made way for active labor because it was that really remembering my strength and, and of course, I have enough energy for active labor and allowing myself to have what I want and what I know is the best and the safest for my baby and we're doing it now and we're doing it together and it's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then so then Kamaya was born, and I fumbled around with the camera in the dark <laughs> and didn't get anything really because it was pretty pitch I, black dark. <laughs> well, I thought I was recording, but I wasn't, and so it was just like I was just babbling excitedly. Um, so happy that he was here, and so happy that he was so healthy, and so amazed with you and the whole process, and. Yeah, um, so we didn't get any pictures, I think, of that. Even, and it was dark anyway, and didn't want flash going, so. Yeah. But. This is our memory, this uh, yeah. conversation. This is our, <laughs> our picture. picture making. Yeah, that's why it's so long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, then you said maybe you want to get out of the pool now to birth the placenta and that was something that I had said to you previously that I wanted to birth the placenta outside of the pool and I wanted you to just remember that the birth isn't complete before the placenta is out and to just keep tuned in to like where I'm at and that I'm good which I was 
Yeah, you helped me. I was holding Kamayo. Senso was still inside of me, so the cord, of course, mm. was connecting us. So Kamayo was in my arms, and mm -hmm. you helped me get out of the pool and went to the bed first to just have me lie down for a moment mm -hmm. with Kamayo in my arms and land for a moment. So got on the bed just yeah. on some towels and of course blood was was there but yeah. just sitting with Kamayo and also I think at that point I was we were trying to make space for the breast crawl. So Yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah oh, we, that, maybe that was why I wanted well, we had, there were all things we had talked about, getting out of the pool, making yeah. space for breast crawl as a possibility. But yeah, we placed him on, on my belly, and he he made a bit of a journey up towards the breast and, and the nipple, and um, I helped him latch at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was just this new being in the world, and seeing him yeah. for the first time like physically after such a long time of him being in the belly yeah and in the spirit form and you know coming to the end of this long journey and it was i guess the start of another long journey yeah um, but really focusing on looking at him and being so amazed to see him taking him in yeah it was really powerful, just being there together. Yeah. We did it. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. did it. Yeah, yeah. I think I just kept saying again, you're amazing, you're amazing. You're yeah. So amazing. To you. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't mind being celebrated <laughs> like that every day. <laughs> yeah. I was mush, so you helped me get up off the bed and down onto the floor right next to the bed mm. and I think I just kneeled and sat down and I was still breastfeeding so I was just sitting on top of some sheets and towels and yeah just sat there for a little while and the placenta came very soon after we we're just talking a little bit and I was sitting there ready for the placenta to come out yeah and just having that intention of it releasing and yeah. yeah, I just plopped out. Yeah. Um, and put it in a bowl. Then the birth was complete. So that was our epic four and a half day long free birth of my son, Kamayo Kowaya. What did you think? I still feel so moved by his birth. I'm often transported back to it. I feel it in my body. It's like it's living there and it continues to inspire me and guide me in so many ways. I've pretty much always wanted to free birth without anyone else there than my partner. So it was also a really special feeling to finally have lived that vision that I've carried with me for most of my life. And there was just this power and ceremonial energy present that I feel was only really cultivated through that undisturbed, sacred space we held as a family. There's really something special and so right for us in keeping that closed loop 
around our birth. It was so right and so beautiful and it yielded a lot of power for us in the end. One more thing that I wanted to add was what we did with the cord. So after the placenta was out, we cleaned up and rested. And by that I mean I rested, <laughs> my husband cleaned up. And about six hours later, I think, we completed his arrival in the early morning. We did a cord burning ceremony. So we used fire to sever the cord. I've shared some pictures of that in the birth blog post on my website at indigomoonanamark.com. I'll put the link for that in the show notes. There's some beautiful images and this is such a beautiful slow way to transition your baby earth side. Very respectful and very slow and very beautiful. And if you choose to do anything with the cord, I really love bringing the fire element in. And then after the birth, I started my postpartum journey with 42 days of bed rest, which is a whole journey of its own, of course. And if you have any questions about self-guided, self-assisted pregnancy, about birth, about everything we truly did on all the all the levels to prepare and take responsibility for this birth. I'm more than happy to share and possibly do a follow-up Q&A episode. So send me your questions. You can email me or head over to Instagram and message me or comment or get in touch with me. And please, please share this episode with women in your life. Not only women that are pregnant and are going to give birth, but every woman <laughs> that wants to impact her system with the power of undisturbed birth with a woman that is left to do it on her terms. Those are the stories we all need to hear to really begin to rewire and create a new culture around birth where we're in charge, we're the authority, we're at the center of what happens. We can choose to have support, we can choose to get help, but we're the one leading the way for us and for our babies. Thank you for joining us on this episode of PsychoWise. If you would like to share a comment or a question related to this episode, please visit the episode link in the show notes where you can submit your feedback or question, as well as read comments from other women listening with you. We're so much stronger together. I'm Indigo Moon Anamark. Until next time, I'm sending you love from my inner woman to yours.